Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, it's a little bit early for next November, but various candidates are lining up. Uh, we heard over the weekend, CeCe Marr is running. She's finishing up. She'll be finishing up her first term as state senator of the 26th. She is running for re-election. Um, we have heard that Rob Blanchard, formerly associated with the Lamont administration, is taking on Tony Wong. He would like to get the Democratic nod. These are state offices. And we also heard that Keith Denning, uh, serving his first time in a brand new seat in Wilton, in other words, this was a new carve out from the last census, the last uh, redistricting in Connecticut, is not running for re-election. So that is going to be another open seat in Wilton, in case you're interested in running, but it is only for Wilton. And now joining us is Michael Goldstein, Dr. Michael Goldstein, who made a run for the congressional seat last time around, challenging for the Republican candidacy. He lost in a primary to Jamie Stevenson, former first selectman of Darianne for many years. And he's making another go at it again. He's an ophthalmologist. He's a former director of various medical boards. He lives in Greenwich, Connecticut. Dr. Goldstein, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Welcome back. Well, thank you very much for having me. I also became a member of the of the Greenwich RTM, which is the representative town meeting. So I've gotten to see local politics at its best and at its worst. But thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. And speaking of local politics, I was wondering why you think the RTM rejected your nomination by a vote of 85 to 105, 85 yes, 105 no, to the board of the town-owned nursing home, the Nathaniel Witherell home. What was that about? Uh, that was interestingly enough what I, what I would call a, a, a combination of cancel culture and misinformation. The, the two the two things they accused me of were actually untrue. So they 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 were trying to claim that I was my purpose was to actually close the nursing home and privatize it. And yet, in a public comment in December, I had actually written a letter 
uh, supporting the uh, continuation of the nursing home as a as a town-owned uh, entity. The second thing is that you know I have not been vaccinated for a, and have applied for medical exemption, so they were trying to claim that I was anti-vax, and yet in uh, I had actually sent a letter that was published to the Hartford Current that said that I supported um, vaccinations in nursing homes because it saved lives. So the reasons that they rejected me were actually factually incorrect. Oh, that is interesting. So you think that there are generalizations being made about you that are just not true out there? In other words, people just jumping to conclusions because they don't know enough? Correct. And it's interesting now, I'm actually in the representative town meeting. I serve on the Health and Human Services Committee, which actually, to some extent, actually oversees Nathaniel Witherall. Let me ask you about the vaccine thing, if I could, unless it's sure, so personal not? that you don't want to a- answer it. Um have you have you resisted? Have you had a, a personal um, reaction to vaccines yourself? Is that why you don't take vaccines? No, 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 no. I, I have, a, have a medical condition, and I was advised by a subspecialist who treated me that I that I that I should not take the vaccine. And at the time, I had already had been previously infected with COVID. I'm oh, a, you mean this is only about COVID? So this isn't necessarily about other vaccines, polio, oh, no, 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 not at all. whatnot, no. tetanus and all that. Cause I'm, no. I'm, I'm about to be a grandma and I just got, we used to call it the DPT. They don't call it any, that anymore. Now it's Tdap or something, but I, I can't be around my new baby grandchild unless I make sure that I, God forbid, couldn't pass pertussis on to her or anything else. So yeah. I got my shots. Oh, great. Well, yeah, that's there's, there's a big difference. Of course, the, the number of vaccines uh, for children has drastically increased, but that's another story. Um, yeah. That's not. That's another know. story. And you know what? As long as we're going to do local, there's one more story I wanted to ask you about. Then I'm going to ask you about your campaign. But uh, you have been uh, asked by or you have been uh, ordered, I should say, by the Greenwich local authorities to pay a penalty, cease and desist with respect to 16,000 cubic yards of unauthorized fill, which has to do with your decision in your personal life to bring dirt onto your property that obviously was in contravention of some local zoning thing and bothered your neighbors. So I wanted to hear about that. Sure, why not? Well, interestingly enough, before I did it with the person that was delivering the dirt, I actually contacted the town, and they were misinformed that if, as long as we were not building a retaining wall, that uh, it was not in violation of any town ordinances. I- interestingly enough, there was some. There's a published. Uh, there's some published data. About, that's published. A you know, town of Greenwich actually does an analysis. Of uh, you know of the different town agencies, and uh, one of the things that in terms is that they found that there's a significant percentage of misinformation coming from people who request information from town hall, and I happen to be one of those people who uh, was essentially misinformed, acted out of in, out of ignorance and not out of intent, and have taken. Um, and I've actually taken every step possible to try to correct the problem. And as a matter of fact, according to a study based on uh, published in Greenwich, it says 56% said the town hall uh, provided them with accurate information, or 44% of the time they provided residents with misinformation. So I am was a victim of essentially misinformation and acted based on misinformation, not by any intent to, you know, to flagrantly disregard any kind of uh, laws or do anything illegal. 
Okay. I mean, because your own consultant, and this is according to the Greenwich Free Press, said to the board, a great deal of damage has been done. No one is denying that over the original ground, which was a steep slope heading down toward the river. And then I guess in the, and then he says, the question would be, what would you do with the material if you removed it and how much would you remove? So he's trying to, I guess, representing you, trying to make it better, but you're running for Congress. You're running as somebody who's going to be making laws, theoretically asking the rest of us to enforce laws. People get very touchy when it comes to things like Phil and because, you know, it can, it can, it can affect when it rains the next time flooding on somebody else's property and water courses and streams and trees and all of that. Okay, first of all, some, some facts. Number one, in my particular case, um, two-thirds of the, the Wetlands Agency has a regulation, if, and you may not be aware of it, up to within 100 feet of the wetlands, which is, you know, a fairly unusually large amount of jurisdiction. The second, the second point is that the majority of the fill, or two-thirds of it, is not actually in the wetlands at all. Um, the third point is that there's been, you know, many, many remedia- remediation plants to actually take the land the fill that's actually in the 100-foot zone, to, to move it out of the 100-foot zone, build a retaining wall, and replant the, in the area. And uh, we've, had, you know, we've had people look at it, and there's no, no belief that it's actually going to cause any long-term harm to the wetlands, and it doesn't affect any of, the, uh, my, any of my neighbor's property. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, the reason I'm speaking about it is it was the subject of a bunch of different articles, yeah, and it's the, the kind the of thing, thing that we get into on our was, show. I'm sorry, you know, no, we, I'm sorry we, to interrupt. No, but they okay. also cherry-picked, you know, there was like maybe 10 hours of testimony, and, they, you know, they selectively cherry-picked the, the, the worst parts hmm. of the process. Okay. And so, I mean, I think it's, you know, I mean, it, it, so that's, that creates a certain appearance. And so, no, I... As I said, I did not intentionally do anything wrong. It was mis- based on misinformation. And as okay. soon as I realized I did something wrong, we immediately hired people, that, including the consultants and a and a person that you know, a tree person and you know, and a soil analyst to, de- to develop strategies to remediate um, the problem. And you know, and it, by the way, incidentally, I mean, I still have hundreds of trees on my property. Oh, that, that's uh, nice. That's nice. I'm happy for you. Not everybody can say that. We're chatting with Dr. Michael Goldstein who is running and this year would like to be the Republican nominee. By the way, as opposed to last time when you were running, Dr. Goldstein, do you assess your chances at getting the nomination uh, differently? Do you think you're going to have to primary? Are you the favorite candidate to run against uh, the congressman? Do you have any idea? Uh, I have some idea. Well, first of all, it's I will not have to get signatures. But, you know, the, the one positive thing about getting signatures is that, you know, we interacted with about between 30 and 35,000 people in order to get uh, 2,500 valid signatures, which incidentally no one's done in, in this in the congressional race in this in this district in at least 40 years. And, you know, so you, you there was a nice, there was a positive in that you got to meet a lot of people. And, and, and that was a good thing. But no, I mean, I, I will not have to primary. I believe that I have a, 
I believe that I'm a, a strongest candidate of the people that are running for this position. And so I'm optimistic in politics. Everything can change tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen. And But I think that uh, if I did do a primary, I did a primary against someone that was a strong political candidate. I was a complete unknown, and I got 40 percent of the vote. If I'm running in a primary against somebody who is not an established politician, I'm and having done it before, I'm predicting that I would do better than that, and I would suspect that I would win. Dr. Goldstein, stay right there. We're going to come back. You're listening to the Lisa Wexler Show here on WICC. Uh, 203-333-9422. If you've got questions or comments for Dr. Michael Goldstein, we'll be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for rejoining us. 203-333-9422 is our number. We're on the air with Dr. Michael Goldstein, who is challenging. Uh, he will be. He wants to be challenging Congressman Jim Himes for the 4th Congressional seat, and he would like to be the Republican candidate. This is his second try at that. Dr. Goldstein, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Much better connection. Thank you. So, Dr. Goldstein, um, right now we've got a war raging in the Middle East. We have reports of a Congress that is paralyzed with respect to a brand new immigration bill uh, that was thought to be something that the politicians were going to get together on, Republicans and Democrats. But the scuttlebutt is that Donald Trump is holding it up. Uh, If you were in the Congress right now, how much would you be listening to and caring about uh, that and about Donald Trump? Where do you stand with respect to his influence over the Republican Party? Okay. I, th- I think that anybody that gets elected to Congress, and I think that that's one of the differences between the citizen politician and the professional politician, is that the citizen politician, somebody like myself, is primarily interested in they're interested in serving the people that elect them, and not and as opposed to being somebody's as, as opposed to being told what to do. And so I think that I would I would act. And if, you know, if elected in the best interests of the people of the state of Connecticut and act in what as well as you know, what I thought was the best interest of the country, because once again, I'm not looking to become a career politician. I'm not looking to move up some food chain. I'm just looking to do what I think is right and solve problems and help make the country better. Uh, Dr. Goldstein, what is animating you to try and serve for public office after a lifetime of being a physician? Well, I start. Okay, that's a, that's a good question to start with. So I started out in life as a doctor. Later in life, I actually went to law school at night and became a lawyer. Got actively involved in the medical societies and certain hospital, you know, departments. And I realized that our healthcare system 
is heading in so many ways in, in the wrong direction. It's becoming increasingly more bureaucratic, more expensive. The care is becoming more and more anonymous. You know, anonymous. People are becoming more and more detached from their doctors, and that we, we you know, and that we needed to fix it. And the thing that I learned in, through the process of, you know, as a being in the medical society is that if if you don't represent either a large number of people or represent large dollar donations to campaigns, you really have no power. So realize, so my my thought was, well, if I can't fix this from the outside, I should work on it from the inside. And then I, of course, realized, you know, we have obviously we have a very troubled country at this point. And there's a lot of problems that need to be addressed and a lot of problems that need to be fixed. And as a doctor who essentially would like to think of himself as a healer, uh, I would like to proceed along those lines, just trying to heal something different than somebody's body. I know a lot of people who are professional healthcare consultants, and they came in to the healthcare consultancy aspect of things, really believing that the system could be saved. And the people that I know are pretty cynical that there's so much broken with the system right now uh, in so many ways, including these, um, the middlemen that are these, um, between the farm the pharmacists and where we get the drugs. There's all these, there's all these different profit pockets and centers and the insurance companies we all know have become the de facto doctors. They get to make the decision about what pills and medicines we actually get to take. Where do you begin? Where do you begin? Okay, well, okay. Let's you 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 hit the first point, which is what they're called the pharmacy benefit manager. That's it. I always so, forget what that yeah. is. Right, right. So, a, so a pharmacy benefit manager initially started out as a consulting company that would, you know, advise an insurance company like what 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 drugs should be on there should be covered, and then they would determine what tiers they were, like how much the copay was for different drugs and what drugs weren't covered. Uh, however, it became a different kind of a business, and what happens is that the pharmacy benefit managers actually get a kickback from the drug company for the drugs that are sold. And it be, you know, became this sometimes up to 50% of the cost of the drugs. So what happened was that the insurance companies really realizing that these were huge profit centers uh, actually bought the um, pharmacy benefit management companies and took them over. And so now the insurance company is making the profits from the pharmacy benefit managers you know, piece of the pie, all at the expense of the patient. So when you're, if you're paying, let's say, a hundred dollars for a drug, and fifty, you know, and the host, and the wholesale is fifty, fifty is a hundred dollars. That means that possibly fifty dollars of that is going to the, to the pharmacy benefit manager, which is then being plowed back into the insurance company that owns the pharmacy benefit manager. Well, don't and you think that should be a little bit illegal as a conflict of interest in terms of deciding? Oh, it should be a <laughs> yes. As a, but what's really crazy is, you know, when they passed that gun bill, you know, and, and like was it a year or two ago, uh, they actually in the gun bill, they actually extended the um, the anti kickback exemption for pharmacy benefit managers. So our Congress, uh, including um, our Congress and Times, voted for a bill that actually extended this process rather than eliminating it. And I, I think it's one of the one of the first ways to, to to reduce drug costs would be to you know to take this kickback scheme out of the pharmacy out of this 
process and lower the price of drugs. Well, I mean, I mean you don't have to put them out of business, but what you could do is you could say an insurance company isn't permitted to own them because there's such a conflict of interest there about deciding, oh, you can use that drug because guess what? I make money from that drug versus that drug I may not make so much money from. It's sort of gross. That's, a, that's exactly what's happening. And, it, and, and, and this is, and as I said, the pharmacy benefit, benefit managers were, were only mostly acquired in the last few years. So every major insurance company owns a farm benefit management company. And, and the government has done nothing to stop it. And I'm not sure whether they, they can. I mean, unfortunately, in our wonderful antitrust laws, you know, this is part of what's called vertical integration, and they don't really do a good job of, of blocking vertical integrations. And so it's uh, our, our antitrust laws are also many of the reasons why our healthcare system is so expensive, and they're, they're completely obsolete, and they totally need to be changed. Well, and one of the other things, let's just take it back home to Connecticut, where we now have maybe five hospital systems left. Uh, and at the beginning, when they when they want to have their mergers and acquisitions approved, they all say it's about cost cutting and efficiency. But we all know that as they become more monopolistic, we all know this, the studies have shown this, it gets more expensive for the patient in the end because we have less choice. Well, it, it, it started okay. The way it, it started out with the insurance companies. So the insurance companies became, the, you know, the what's called we call them consolidator or monopolies. And in many markets, one insurance company dominates the insurance market. So the insurance companies were going to the small community hospitals and the medium-sized hospitals, and were saying to them, "Well, this is all we're going to pay you, and take it or leave it. And if we don't take, we, we, you, know, if you don't take what we're offering, uh, you're, you know, you're not going to have any of our patients." So the hospitals, you know, often sign contracts where they will lose money and a lot of the community hospitals started to go get into trouble. So the next step is the hospital said, well, gee, what about if we merge just like the insurance companies? Then we can tell insurance companies where to go. So then the hospital started to merge and you started to see this massive merger and consolidation of hospital systems, which is what you're seeing now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's conceivable that a hospital that was, let's say, a community hospital gets acquired, let's say, by any of the major systems like Hartford Health or Yale New Haven, and all of a sudden they get paid substantially more for doing the exact same thing because the larger system has more bargaining power. So the whole thing is about it's, it's a battle of bargaining power between the hospital systems and the insurance companies, you know, where the hospital systems are saying, well, if you don't pay us, your people can't come here and people won't buy your policies. And the insurance companies saying, no, no, we're not going to pay you. And this, this fight goes on. And, for example, they, uh, in the case of Ma- the Mount Sinai healthcare system and uh, United Healthcare, there's been a breakdown and they, they actually they've. I don't know if it's resolved yet, where it's essentially, you know, they've canceled the contracts with each other. They were not renewed. And, and, suddenly, who, and who patient, gets hurt? The patient who carries United Healthcare Insurance who has to go to the doctor at Mount Sinai. Who gets hurt? The patient. Exactly. Because the, the power in the system is in the wrong place. Healthcare should really be about doctors and patients. And essentially, the the, the patients and the doctors need to find a way to get together and form a political force. But how would we ever make... get back to that, Dr. Michael Goldstein? How would we ever uh, get back to that? Well, part of it is to, is to change to change the law. I mean, the, I mean, for example, is there, there aren't, aren't many left, but, you know, but private practitioners, actually I wrote a legal paper on it, are more efficient uh, and cost-effective providers of health care than large hospital systems. And they have lower numbers of unnecessary hospitalizations, 
and they provide care at a lower cost. But they're the ones that have been being driven out of business, squeezed, mostly driven out completely. of business by yeah. by by the by antitrust laws that don't let them and you know, by malpractice premiums. Together. All of it, all of it together. This this ugliness, and not only malpractice premiums and all of that, but the administrative headache of having to have a full time employee just to do the paperwork to get your insurance coverage for your patients. I mean, I, I still go to a solo. It's impossible. I feel sorry for well, him. Well, I can t- I'm still, you know, I'm only practicing part-time now, but I, I'm still a solo. And then the problem is they say the average doctor spends 20 hours a week doing, complying with all this regulatory paperwork, yeah. which is, and it's, it's producing huge burnout. And if you go to an emergency room, your medical record can be 50 pages long and only one or two pages have to do anything to do with why you came there. It's, it's a lot, Doctor so Goldstein. I mean, if you if you really make it to D.C. and you know, I don't know your chances because Jim Himes is a very popular congressman. He's done very well, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of re-election campaigns. But I have to no tell kidding. you, but the healthcare system, it, it's such a mess. It, it's such an intractable mess. It, it's very discouraging. Well, well, let me just give you one example. So in, in 10 years ago, in 2013, we were spending $2.7 trillion on health care, and now we're spending $4.5 trillion on health care. And at least a trillion of that is due to bureaucracy, government regulation. And, you know, there's so much regulation of health care. It's, it's, and it, it's, it basically paralyzes the system. Uh, Dr. Goldstein, before we let you go, we just have a couple of other minutes. We've gotten a, a chance to hear your thoughts about health care. Uh, very quickly, foreign policy is very much of the moment, uh, the Middle East. Uh, what do you have to say on that and the support of America, both for Ukraine and for the state of Israel? Well, I think that uh, we we need to support our allies. I think that we need to support Israel and, and allow them to solve to solve their problems rather than hamper them. Because essentially, there what happened what happened in Israel was essentially a, a massacre of civilians. The Hamas that went across the border didn't go there to attack military targets, didn't go there to attack anything of strategic purpose. They went there for one specific person to murder brutally, you know, innocent Jewish and non-Jewish Israeli, Israelis. And I think that that kind of barbarism cannot be tolerated. And I think that the scary part to me is this, you know, is this, you know, what's happening in the universities and happening in our cities where you have, you know, pro-Palestinian rioters, you know, screaming from the river to the sea, which means kill the Jews. And we're not, you know, going after these people. We're not prosecuting these people for hate crimes. And I think uh, in so many ways, the world, to me, seems like it's, a, it's almost like a repeat performance of the 1930s. You know, you're seeing this massive rise of anti-Semitism in the United States that, that is not being quashed. Dr. Goldstein, you're, you're, yes. you're getting cut off by the music because it's noon, but we very much appreciate you coming on the show. We'll be watching your campaign with interest uh, in the next year. And thank you so much, Dr. Michael Goldstein, for being on the Lisa Wexler Show. Dr. Goldstein wanted, wanting to take on Jim Himes in the 4th Congressional District. Stay tuned for well, Paul Pacelli, 2 to me. 6. A pleasure. And Eric Erickson up next. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.